Captain's Log, Day 1 It feels so strange to write those words. Should I really be calling myself a captain? At any rate, here I am, on an unfamiliar vessel amongst a group of strangers, sailing into unknown circumstances. Gandalar, guide my path as I wander into the lost and forgotten spaces. Help me guide my ship and my crew with dignity and purpose, for it is my duty to rediscover, remember, and repurpose the knowledge and materials lost in this vast and mysterious world. I have sworn an oath as a healer and sojourner to preserve life and to return the lost to the light. Why am I so determined to remember my vows on this day? Oh. It is because those under my command may live by a different code, and I am worried. May we stay the course, and may we never lose sight of ourselves or our mission, lest we incur the wrath of the benevolent and holy albatross, Gandalar the Wanderer. Hello, armchair adventurers, and welcome to Red Desert Roleplay, an actual play podcast where friends from across Wyoming collaborate on an epic, interactive story. I am your game master, Aaron Volner. You can find out more about me at AaronVolner.com if you so choose to do so. I've got a little bit of a disclaimer for you. If you are a parent of children under the age of 16, please use discretion when listening to our show, as it is intended for adults and older teens. Uh, this is the fourth session of our ongoing campaign, The Fog of Verilon. And in our last session, the party had um, gotten all of the details from the dragon's hand on the mission to go investigate the wreck of the city ship Fathomless Heaven. And they were setting out to go figure out a way past the blockade that is keeping skyships away from the wreck. Now, let's go ahead and introduce our players. So, first up, we have Jerry Evans. Howdy, partners. I'm Jerry, and I will be the voice of Wilhelm, the the team's uh, plain-ass human diplomat um, who's uh, not big fan of uh, fights. So, that's me. Next up, we have Jessica Evans. Hi, guys. My name is Jessica Evans, and I just wanted to let you all know that you can find us, um, Red Desert Roleplay, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us on Instagram at official underscore RDRP, on Facebook at RDRP official, and on Twitter at official underscore RDRP. Excellent. Next up, we have Jeremy Gomez. Hey, everybody. I am so happy to be here with you guys today. Um, I will be playing the character known as Chip, and he is handsomely uh, rugged and ready to rock and roll and uh, get out in the open air today. Excellent. And last but most certainly not least, we have Don Probst. Hey everyone, thanks for coming along for the ride. I will be voicing Tulin, uh, and he is ready to blow some shit up. Yeah. Always what we like to hear. <laughs> if anybody's wondering who's been listening with us so far, um, the order that I introduce people in, I'm a librarian in my day job, so I, I introduce our players in alphabetical order by last name. Uh, <laughs> in homage to my librarian roots. Uh, you anyway. should start saying uh, Evans, comma, Jerry. <laughs> Evans, comma, Jerry, yes. <laughs> uh, 
Okay. So, as uh, the Scarlet Keelan is getting underway, um, you guys had finished up with sabotaging the slaver ship, and boy, howdy, did you guys ever sabotage it <laughs> last time. <laughs> and uh, the verbal confrontation with Pomponius Goldfeather, the Scarlet Keelan is underway, and you guys are on your way towards the blockade where the fathomless heaven lies inside. And uh, Wilhelm, I think we need to know how you are doing right now. So go ahead and give me uh, a, well, first of all, let's ask, have you used your meds? Yeah, he's pretty good about that. We're, I don't think anything has happened so far that has pushed him off of his schedule. So, Okay. So this probably isn't, we probably don't need to make an anxiety roll then the way we. Well, I don't know because he's only once been on a ship in the past. Well, you know, since the incident and, uh, and so at that one, he did not do well on that role. Um, so yeah, it would make sense that we've got to do this. Um, Boy, I forgot to pull up that stuff. Do you happen to have the the text for... Let's see. In a situation that triggers an anxiety attack, roll health to react. A failure incurs a negative penalty to actions. Okay. If you fail, you have to roll a will to overcome. Yeah. Yeah. The, the debuff will stay unless I overcome it. So, let's see how he's feeling today. Boy, son of a bitch. Uh, I rolled a 12. My health is a 10. So that is not a success. Great first roll. All right. So um, where do you think Wilhelm goes on the ship uh, when he's feeling like this? Is he going to go to his quarters or somewhere else? Um, I think... I think he he might... I think what happens is that he tries to like, again, go up topside for a moment, but, um, he, he gets his hand on the rail to go up the, the stairs to go up and get fresh air and it hits him and he goes, Oh, I know what's coming. And he backs up and he just turns right back around and goes to his room. He, he sits down and works himself through it, takes, takes some deep breaths and stuff. Um, but I think he's also trying to make a conscious effort not to be seen that way. Like the last time it happened where he just ended up sitting on the floor. Um, so yeah, that's what I think he does. Okay. So when you enter your quarters, um, after a few minutes, you notice something kind of moving around in the covers on your bed. And like a moment later, you see this antlered, long-eared head pop up. It's um, Pelly the stag hare was sleeping in your bed. She kind of like made this little nest in her. She kind of like pops her head up and looks around. She looks at you. She's got her little nose twitching. And she hops down. And she hops over and she kind of just like, oh, we're on a podcast, Aaron. The uh, listeners can't see you like moving around like a rabbit smelling things. Um, oh, I was the treat <laughs> listeners. <laughs> You're missing out. It looks amazing. Trust me. <laughs> so she's kind of sniffing him a little bit and she walks up and she kind of, and I mean, remembering that she's like a big, well, big for a rabbit. She's like 25, 30 pounds somewhere in there. She kind of like leans into uh, Wilhelm's legs and then she kind of figures out an angle where the antlers aren't going to poke him and she just kind of rests her chin on his knee and just kind of like snuggles into him. <laughs> oh, well, I'm going to give her a nice little scritch there. I'm going to get right behind her ear. So I, I guess I'm going to be near an antler, but I'm going to be avoiding it a little bit and like get right in there. Like one of those nice ear scratches you get on a dog right, right at the base of the cartilage. I'm just going to say, Hey, Hey sweetie, how's it going? How'd you find your way in here? Did I, did I leave my door open? Cause really like I'm out of it. So I'm not sure if I did. 
And you can hear making this, uh, rabbits make kind of like this little purr slash chirping noise where they're almost like grinding their teeth in the back. It's kind of that kind of noise. And you can hear her doing that as you're scratching like. (laughs) My my little brother has a couple guinea pigs that he rescued. And he, he, last time we were over there, he showed us, hey, watch this and scratches one's butt. And it does this weird little purr. So that's what I'm picturing in my mind's ear. That's great. I, I love it. I, does this does this help me? Does this make me feel better? I feel like this is kind of like a uh what's the term? It's not not it's very distinctly not a service animal. Um emotional, emotional support, support animal. Egg here. Yeah. I I feel like uh I feel like this little little fella's helping me out. But, you know, mechanically that's up to you, boss. <laughs> I think it would make sense okay. yeah, that she would, uh, she would be able to help you through this. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to spend a moment with her and just kind of recuperate and gather my wits before I try to overcome this, you know, try again to go upstairs. All right. Do now let's see here. Uh, I'm going to look at our deal. I'm trying to decide if we need a roll now for you to go. Try and go upstairs again. I mean, I can. I I kind of assumed you were going to hop over to somebody else. So yeah, I'm happy to. Yeah, I think I think I'm going to look at that and go. Hey, let's try this again. You wanna you want some fresh air? I'm gonna ask her. Pele, it is. Am I am I rolling well or? Um. Yeah. Go ahead and roll. That's how we have okay. it written here. So. I rolled a nine. So even with uh, even with a minus one, I would have made it. Awesome. All right. So uh, again, is that just to overcome my little anxiety attack, or or would that help me get the rest of the way? I'm going to say uh, in this instance, it's going to help you get the okay. rest of the way. All right. Then you know, with the help of my my little friend here, we're going to, we're going to go up to the dock and it's going to be the first time I've been up on a moving ship and seeing the skies around me since, you know, the incident. So you get up there and, um, it is very much, uh, dusk now. Uh, it's getting fairly dark, but there's still some light and color in the sky. There's so like some deep purples off towards the horizon. Uh, so the Havarg have lit a couple torches on deck to light some things. You can see Chip uh, up in the riggings working on some things, patching up uh, some deals around the sails and things like that. And you see something that kind of, I think, probably warms your heart a little bit. You haven't seen it since your time uh, traveling with the hearth fleets. And that's uh, about half of your Havard crew is in the process of performing the blood water meditation. And this is, um, so the Havarg inherited from their Orcish ancestors this sort of, uh, they call it the blood fire. It's this rage that they have a difficult time controlling that bubbles up sometimes. But they do this... Um, like if, you know, about once a day they do this form of meditation. Um, it's kind of like a cross between meditation and Tai Chi. So it's like a moving meditation uh, that they call the blood water. And that kind of helps them calm that side of themselves and um, be able to keep that anger under control. Um, so usually only about half the crew does it at a time and then they switch out. So... Half the crew is in the midst of doing it, and the shantyman, J-Lock, is kind of giving them a light little beat to do their movements by. And it's just, it's kind of a beautiful thing to behold, really. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to kind of stand there and off for a minute, because, yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while since I've seen that. Um, and then I think, I, I think after appreciating that, I look up and see, uh, I see chip up there you know doing some repairs and i think i yell up and say hey you need some help up there hey how are you i'm doing good 
Yeah, well, I would love some help. Some bending some of this green lumber is kind of hard sometimes. Come on up. All right. Um, and I'm gonna bust out my my rope, my rope tool. Um, it's kind of a grappling hook, so. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna make a, a climbing roll with this bad boy. And boy, um, I don't make that. Dear. It, it it's been a while, so I think uh, it's up to you. I got a fourteen. Uh, my skill is a twelve. So, I don't know. It's up to you. Do does the does the grappling hook get up there, and I just climb and uh. Realize, ah, crap, that's harder than it's been. It's been a minute since I've done that and I get tired too quick. Or do I <laughs> send it up and put a hole through a thing? That's up to you, boss. <laughs> well, I think, um, so I think the hook's going to catch on there. And kind of like you said, you know, you just kind of get tired. Oh man, it's been a minute since I've done this. And then when you try to, uh, like pull the hook back down. Like it's kind of caught up there. You can't get it to come loose right away. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. I think chip's going to just kind of turn his head to the side, reach over, grab the hook and grab the rope and try to just pull you up. <laughs> Thanks boss. It's uh, I haven't been, I haven't done that for uh, some years now. I should have, should have known better. <laughs> Not a problem, just a little bit rusty. Just wait till you get your sky legs back under you. You'll be good. Well, I think I can at least help uh, patch up some of these holes with you. That'd be great. Grab some of that uh, oil, and you got to put pack it in there on the on the wood. And let it let it soak in to open up those pores, and then you just take this this paste and just stick it in those holes. All right. And yeah, that's that's what I do. I follow along. All right. Do so. What is Fausta doing right now? So I think Fausta is also on deck. I think she just woke up from her daytime slumber, just because um, one thing that I haven't been taking account for the past couple of episodes is that. She's a likely a nocturnal creature. Um, so I think she just woke up and has um, climbed on deck and is watching the Havarg do their meditation and just kind of enjoying the moment of, of silence and Zen. All right. So um, as you're standing there kind of, Enjoying this, um, Vagnera emerges from below decks. He looks much better rested than the last time you saw him. Uh, <laughs> he's, uh, got himself all, you know, uh, primped up and everything again, like he usually is. Comes up and he says, how are we feeling about the expedition, Miss Fausta? Oh, I don't know, Vagnera. I think it's, I think it might be okay. I... I'm worried because I don't really know who I brought onto this ship. Hmm. Whatever do you mean, Miss Fausta? Well, I mean, I thought I was bringing on normal people, and instead I've ended up with a murderous teenager. And I don't... I don't want to jeopardize this mission but I don't know if I can help him. Hmm. I understand that concern. But then again, you have not known Master Tulin for very long. Perhaps you simply don't know how to help him just yet. Well, yeah, and I don't... I really don't know any of them, and I wonder if I got ahead of myself and if I should have done formal interviews or, you know, been a little bit more practiced more discretion in choosing who came on this adventure with me. Mm. And might I ask, Miss Fausta, how you might have conducted said interviews within the time frame that you were allotted? I mean, I guess you have a point, but 
again, I just, I'm very worried that they are not going to be as helpful as I was hoping. Hmm. Have you voiced any of these concerns with the others? Well, no, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't, I don't think they're monsters, but, you know, I was, maybe we need to do a team building exercise. Hmm. If I may speak candidly for a moment, Miss Fausta. Of course. You are the leader of this expedition, which means that you need to be able to be honest with your team. I believe they will appreciate that far more than anything. So are you saying that I need to call Tulin out for his murderous tendencies? I think you need to decide what will make you the most comfortable and do that. Whether that's calling him out or simply observing for now is for you to decide. But whatever you do, make sure you, that when you do speak with him, you are honest about how you're feeling. It won't do him or you any good to skirt around the issue. Thanks, Vagnera. Um, I guess, I mean, we've got, we've got a few hours at least until the blockade. I'll think of something. Will you be needing anything in the meantime, Miss Fausta? I think I'm good for right now. Thank you. Excellent. By the way, I have been thinking when we arrive at the blockade, it might perhaps be best for me to address you somewhat more formally. I believe uh, Lord Commander Quiridon will be expecting it, should we run into him when we reach the ships. Oh, I see. How formal are we talking? It would probably be best for me to refer to you by your formal title, at least initially. Hmm. I see. Well, I suppose I should look the part, huh? And um, I think she's going to head below deck to her quarters and just do a costume change into her <laughs> um, formal aristocrat wear. All right. To do so, well, that is happening. Uh, what is Tulin doing? He's contemplating murder. <laughs> no, he's, uh, he is probably in the engine room uh, helping get everything there up to scratch. Uh, you know, spit and polish, seeing what could be, uh, what could be upgraded in the future. What uh, kind of getting the lay of everything since we did uh, have to leave rather abruptly. All right. Let's see here. Um, go ahead and give me an uh, give me an engineering roll, right quick. <laughs> I don't even have to look at what my engineering skill is. That's a thirteen. I am pretty sure that does not do it. Uh, 13 is exactly my engineering skill. Oh, so you got it. Okay, so you notice uh, kind of in one back part of the engine room, there's, there's a spot back there where um, one of the old cold drums is. It's installed in kind of a strange way. Like uh, maybe it was damaged at some point and somebody who didn't really know what they were doing kind of put it back in there. So you kind of snap to, oh, this is, this is a place where we can make an improvement. You start working on it. And as you're you know, in there working on it, uh, you start to feel like a tug at your pant leg. Like something pawing or tugging at your pant leg rather insistently. <laughs> I will uh, wriggle my way out to see uh, what, whom, or whatever it is may need. When you wriggle out, you see that it is uh, Pelly the Staghair, who has wandered into the engine room. <laughs> and she's kind of like cocking her head at you like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, hello there, little fuzzy one. What can I do for you? So um, she kind of pops a little closer and it looks like she's getting ready to do something 
when all of a sudden her ears go straight up in the air and she stands up, her eyes kind of go wide and she starts looking around. And then her nose like points off in one particular direction and then she just starts thumping her foot. So then there's a pause and then she does it again. I am certainly not an expert in rabbit or whatever language, but this does not seem natural. So point the way. Lead on, little furry stag thing. So sure enough, um, she seems to be following whatever it is that she's has got her attention riveted. She's kind of following it. She's just sort of staring at the wall, though, which is kind of odd. Staring at the wall, and then she, you see her kind of dart out into the hallway, and she looks, and she finds her spot again, and thump, 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 thump. Is she staring back at the the same wall from the other side, or she's no? She's kind of staring towards like the outer hull of the ship. Hmm. Okay. I suppose I'd better check the hull integrity since. You seem concerned. So Tulin just kind of starts tapping his way along like you would look for a stud in a, in a house, making sure that everything is sound. Give me a perception roll. Missed it by one. So you're not entirely sure what, uh, what it is that's got her all riled up. Um, you're finding a couple of things that you think, oh, you know, maybe we should, uh, maybe we should patch this and that up though. And as you're kind of getting, uh, focused in on that, um, she kind of goes taken off down the hallway some more. And so do you think he's going to continue to follow her or is Tulin going to stay focused on what he's doing here? He's going to continue to follow her. Uh, because, you know, he's, he's been around enough mind collapses and stuff in, in the, the dwarven cities that, you know, he understands animals have that sixth sense. So he's, something is obviously bugging her and it's probably important. He's going to follow. So you follow her through a few different, uh, twists through the halls of the ship there. And she eventually ends up at a staircase leading uh, up towards the decks. And she's kind of like creeping up the stairwell toward the top deck. And then um, she kind of does the uh, prey thing where she ducks down, making herself really small, looking up and just kind of gazing off into a particular spot in the sky. Hmm. I certainly cannot understand you, but perhaps you can understand me. Can you thump your foot twice if you understand what I'm saying? So Pilly goes, I shall take that as a no. I'm going to draw my crossbow, my hand crossbow, and work my way on deck, keeping my eye on that part of the sky. Uh, and look for uh, the nearest Havard crewman. Right, so one of the uh, one of the Havard notices you coming up, and he sees the crossbow in your hand. He says, "Gosh, what's with the hardware, buddy?" The first mate Stag here seems to be quite agitated, and whatever it is that's agitating it, it's coming from that direction. Hmm. Give me another uh, perception roll right quick. Actually, uh, everybody give me a perception roll. And do it good this time. <laughs> uh, I made that one by three. I didn't make that one by <laughs> three. <laughs> I made mine by two. All right. What about Chip? Sorry, I also did not make that roll. All right. So, Tulin, as you're looking out there, you see a section of the clouds 
that appears to be moving very distinctly in a different direction from the rest of the clouds. And as you watch, um, it starts to become sharper, like it's something silhouetted. And um, Fausta, you know, as you're watching everything uh, going on the deck, you sort of catch um, a sound that doesn't make sense off to the side. You catch a sound that it kind of sounds almost like a sail flapping in the wind, um, but not quite. It also kind of sounds like wings flapping at the same time. How big do these wings sound? Pretty big. Like at least our eye sized. Hmm. Um. Tulin directs the crewman's gaze to the odd cloud. There, see? See, that cloud's not moving the same way the other clouds are. Hey, you're right. Yeah, and while that's happening, I think Fausta is going to look in the direction of the wings flapping. I can't remember which direction you said it was coming from, but. Um, you know, if she can't see anywhere from where she is, I think she's going to move in that direction to try to figure out who it is. Although I have an inkling. So when you turn your head to look there, you have, um, you of course have the Aurai, um, night vision going for you. And you see that there is some kind of creature flying around out there, but it is not uh, a creature that you have seen before. It looks like a big old honking bat. Um, except it's a bat with great big long gangly arms with like giant spear point claws on the ends of its fingers. Um, yeah, Fast is going to yell interrupt the meditation and um hey do you guys do you guys see that bat it, do you uh <laughs> uh i suppose can the rest of us look and see if we witness the bat now <laughs> those of us who did not make the roll by three um yeah now that it's been specifically pointed out i think you guys will notice it she needs to go potty, and from past experience, she is not going to stop doing that until I let her out, so... All right. Intermission. Time to get some popcorn and pizza. Get to drink and go take a whiz. As in whiz. Mm. <laughs> Never would have connected those dots. <laughs> I think Faust is being awful calm for seeing some giant bat thing with spear-like fingertips. <laughs> Uh-huh. So, Fausta's also had a very stressful and long 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go eat the last of my half of the chicken wings real quick. Okay. And maybe grab a beer. I was thinking about grabbing beer number two. Beer sounds amazing. You should have a beer, Jeremy. I will. All right. We all back? Jeremy, you back? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Let's, let's party rock this. So, uh, you guys all notice this thing there now, which means it is time to roll initiative. To do so, which is not something that normally happens in the GURP system uh, for any of our listeners who are familiar with GURPS, but uh, we do do initiative rolls sometimes because it makes things uh, simpler for our uh, play session. So, everybody give me a dex roll right quick. Boy, pick a game to roll high in. I rolled a 13. I failed dex. I got mine right on the nose. I got a 10. I got mine right on the nose. With a 12. I got an 8. Okay. Uh, <laughs> our bad guy rolled a 15. Doo -doo -doo. And the Havard crewman, who I'm just rolling for kind of on the whole, uh, rolled a 5. 
Damn. So, uh, the Havarg get the first move and uh, Malin, the uh, first mate there, the leader of the Havarg pilgrims, he starts barking orders and he gets um, some Havarg running around mounting the uh, top deck ballista. There are a few ballista mounted around there. So they start getting the weapons turned around and um, aimed off in the direction of this thing. So that is what they do for their turn, which brings it to Chip. All right. So how, what's the distance away from this uh, giant sky beast? So it's, um, let's see, how far are we going to say it is out? I'm going to say it is maybe like half a football field away from the ship right now. Okay, so uh, I'm going to definitely yell and get the rest of the attention of the rest of the crew. And uh, let them know that the beast, is it turning our direction? Is it flying towards us? Yeah, it's like a beeline towards you guys. Okay. Well, all I have in my possession, other than my axes, is uh, those giant green pieces of lumber for, that we're using to uh, fill these holes. So uh, I guess I can use one as a javelin if it gets close enough it definitely wouldn't be able to uh land on the structure where we're at um so i'm definitely going to get in the ready position so if it does try to swoop down since i'm up on top by the sails that we uh, should be able to defend ourselves fairly well that brings it around to fausta um so I don't have any sort of long range fighting skill. So if it's okay with you, Aaron, I would kind of like to find a, a Havarg or a crewman and be like, have you ever seen one of these? What is that thing? So um, the crewman you're talking to, he says, oh, I've never seen anything like that. I don't know what that is. Well, Gosh, it's coming right towards us. Somebody shoot it down. And that brings us to Tulin. So if it's about 50 yards away, I have a feel for how big it actually is. Is it like man-sized or elephant-sized or bigger or smaller? It's probably about the size of... Let's see here. It's, it's not quite elephant sized, but it's, I'm going to say it's somewhere in between like a horse and an elephant. So it's pretty big, but it's not like gigantic. We need to make this a thing. The human to elephant spectrum of size. <laughs> that's, that's Tulin's patented, uh, <laughs> sizing scale. <laughs> Damn Skippy. It's a fascinating creature. I yell to the nearest crewman, do we have any grappling hooks or, or similar sorts of boarding equipment or nets or anything that we can capture this thing? Uh-oh. Oh, there's grappling hooks on the lower decks where the pirates kept their, uh, their cutlasses and stuff. I'll be right back. Don't let it eat you. And Tulin heads downstairs to grab some grappling hooks. And rope. BRB, don't die. <laughs> Which brings it around to Wilhelm. Okay, so Wilhelm, uh, Wilhelm looks with all this commotion and sees it. Um, imagine Home Alone. Uh, what's his What's his name? Not Kevin. No, we're talking the Sticky Bandit. We're talking uh, Marv. Marv, yes. Marv and Harry. Ah, Marv. So yeah, where Marv gets the tarantula put on his face and just like releases that next octave scream. And yeah, anyway, um, let's see. So yeah, he does that and uh, starts uh, feeling around for his uh, and realizes, ah, crap, where's my crossbow? And uh, he he's going to head down and uh, try to make it Basically, I'm moving back towards uh, where I think I last left my crossbow. 
which is probably in my room under deck. All right. <laughs> I so, love- uh, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. I love that everybody's turn has just been like, shit, we're not ready for any of this. <laughs> Uh, and speaking of this <laughs> that brings it around to our creature's turn and this thing is surprisingly fast for its size uh it closes the distance between itself and the ship pretty quickly and you can see it's got this very like ugly mushed up bat face like but one of those like not one of the cute bat faces like one of the smushed bat faces yeah, like a vampire bat. Like, like a, a vampire flat, bat, exactly. Flat, ugly nose, yeah. And it opens wide its maw with these giant fangs inside of it, and it just lets loose this absolutely piercing scream and just, like, strafes the deck with this sonic blast, basically. Um, so some of the uh, Havarg are, uh, like, grabbing at their heads. Uh, some of the ones who are still kind of in the throes of the blood water are just completely disoriented. Fausta, uh, you and Vagnera have extra sensitive hearing from being our eye. Uh, so go ahead and give me, what are we going to do say on this? Give me a health roll. So I missed it by one. I got an 11 and my health is 10. Let's see. And Vagnera made it. So let's see. I'm going to roll his. Okay. So, um, Vagnera sees sees you starting to react to this, and instead of covering his own ears, he runs over and like clamps his hands around um, where your ear holes would be to try and protect you from the noise. Oh my god, what a sweet human. He's not a human. What a sweet, sweet person. Um, so do I not take any damage then? Um, I'm gonna say he um from his uh dex roll I just did there, he moved fast enough that yeah, like, he basically got your ears plugged up where it's not going to have an effect. Like, if he hadn't moved as fast as he did, um, it would have caused some damage there, but... Okay, um, since he's right there, do I have time to ask him if he's ever seen anything like this? Uh, yeah, speaking is a, a free action in GURPS combat, so you can speak anytime you want. Okay, well, then I... Um... I think as it's releasing this blast and he's like run up and covered her ears, she's going to look at him and shout like, what is this thing? And he tries to answer, but he's like between trying to fight off the pain of the sound himself and trying to keep your ears covered. Like he doesn't have the mental wherewithal to answer you. Shit. Um, since she's right there and he's right there, can she, like, see his pain and, like, cover his ears up? I'm going to say that's uh, that's good. You can do that if you want. Okay, I'm going to do that. All right. And that brings it back around to the Havarg crewmen. And they are going to... Uh, they've got at least one of the ballista ready. So they're going to take a shot at it. And they are going to miss horribly. <laughs> so the bolt just kind of woof, goes flying off, doesn't even come close to hitting this thing. And that brings it back around to Chip. All right, I'm definitely ready for this thing this time. So it's definitely close, close to us. Um, I do have a grappling hook and rope because I kept it when I pulled Wilhelm up. So I'm ready for this beast. So I'm going to take the grappling hook. I'm going to start swinging it over my head and I'm going to throw it and toss it and see if I can't wrap it around this beast's neck and then try to jump and try to knock it out of the sky. Good plan. Let's see. So this would fall under thrown weapon, I believe. And I don't think you took thrown weapon, but the... I took uh, amidexterity, so... And let's see. I think the, I think for this situation, the default is uh, in the book is a little too punishing. So instead of uh, the dex minus four that we're going to do, I'm going to say we're going to do a dex minus two on this one. <laughs> All right. All right. I got six. Dexterity is 11. 
That makes it according to the untrained skill role. So um, I'm going to let you take the lead on describing this here. Like, you know, how does, you know, how does this play out when he gets that grapple on the creature and drags it out of the sky? Right. So luckily I throw it hard enough that it does wrap around its neck a couple times. And then the beast immediately tries to pull the rope taut and stretches and flaps away from it and it catches and it he the beast gets ex, ex, you know surprised by it so then flies towards me to try to pick up pick up distance cuz it's it's a giant beast so it, can, it doesn't have a lot of distance away from the basically the the sails so i jump off grab the rope swing it around and grab the other side of it so i'm holding on to both parts of the loose rope I'm trying to stumbling because it's he's a soft, like the soft, smooth surface of this bat's wings. But I'm able to grab just behind the the neck of the bat and and shove my feet, my heels down in front. So I'm able to to pull gently back on that rope to uh, cause the bat to fall without having be the ability to flap its wings. It was pretty epic. <laughs> so the creature is no longer in the sky. Thanks to the valiant efforts of chip. It is now uh, downed on the deck and it is Faust's turn. Um, so I still, I don't have anything that I can like attack it with, but I think since it's down, um, I think the, the best that Faust is like, Shit, this is what what can I do here? Um she's gonna grab just like the nearest rope she can find and run at it to try to tie it up. So Chip, Chip's gonna go. Um, Miss Fausta, I believe you need to brain this thing. I don't think that's gonna help. Brain it. Hit it! Hit it! Um, it's going to get back up soon. So I th- think Fausta on Chip's advice is going to just pick up the most convenient thing within her grasp and hit it in the head. Yeah. Okay. So for that, I don't think, um, I think I'm just going to have you do a strength roll on this. We're going to say that there's a uh, ballista bolt sitting nearby that you pick up. Uh, so go ahead and give me a strength roll for this. Okay. I make it right on the nose. I rolled a 10 and my strength is at 10. Let's see here. So you hit it a pretty good lick and it definitely feels it, uh, but it does not knock it out. It gives it a nice big bleeding uh, gash and like this bluish green blood starts dripping out from its forehead. But it also kind of makes it a little mad. So that is going to bring us back around to Tulin, uh, who had just run below deck to try and find um, nets or grapples or something like that. And you find the rack uh, where, like, the cutlasses and things are for boarding another ship. And you do find uh, some of the grappling hooks there. Uh, How many are you going to take? There's probably about a dozen in there. Um, I will take one hook and two rope. All right. Do, and I think that, um, grabbing those and heading back up probably, uh, uses up Tulin's turn for this round, which brings us back around to Wilhelm, who was heading down to find his crossbow. All right. Um, I think... I, I imagine that the same situation is going to happen as did with Tulin, because... I'm I'm gonna run down to my room and go. Where is it? Like where'd it go? And uh, <laughs> and eventually find it, and uh, the bolts and like panicking and and screaming the entire time, <laughs> um, because this is definitely not what Wilhelm likes about being on the open skies. 
<laughs> um, and so like running, screaming and trying to like load a bolt and just like, ah, oh, shit. Ah, oh, shit. What the, what the <laughs> hell? What the fuck is that? Oh, shit. <laughs> so yeah. And that's, uh, that's Wilhelm's turn. All right. Which brings it back around to our creature, uh, who is not very happy about having been uh, brought down to the deck and then conked on the head with a ballista bolt to do. And it is going to, it's going to kind of like try to wrench free its limb so it can bring its claws into play. Let's see here. And it will just barely succeed at doing that. Um, so Chip, since you're sitting right on it, are you going to try and stay on it or are you going to, um, like dodge off of it? I'm hoping that I get more of an eight second ride out of this bat. Uh, now that he's a little upset and has blood in his eye. Yeah. I'm going to try to squeeze as much as I can and hold back on those reins. Okay. Uh, give me a strength roll to hold on. Oh boy. Got it by two. Right. So you managed to stay in place. Now, which brings us back to uh, the crewman. Now, the Havarg, um, the ballista on skyships, understandably, are generally not designed to aim toward the ship. So they're uh, <laughs> they're kind of uh, giving up on the gunnery, and they're you know grabbing ballista bolts. A couple of them are running and down for cutlasses and things. And um, Malin, the uh, leader of the Havarg, there he. Kind of takes Fausta's lead. He grabs up a ballista bolt and he runs over. And he takes a swing at the thing. Wow. And he does a pretty good job. And the bat uh, miserably fails to defend itself. Let's see. Unfortunately, although he hits it for a good lick, uh, the wound is fairly superficial. This thing's got a pretty thick hide on it, so it... Whack! Um, He... Smacks it a good one, but it uh, doesn't do much to damage him here, which brings it back around to Chip's turn. Would somebody please knock the stupid bat out? Is that yell and scream? Um, I'm going to kind of try to let the bat see if I can get it, get it hoisted up so that I can really, really squeeze back on these reins and see if I can't just, with all my might, either either cause it so that it can't, it can't breathe or cause its neck to, to snap back, if it's possible. Um, but I don't, comparatively to me, how big is this beast? Am I able to, to really rear back and pull on this thing's neck or... Is it one of those things where it's just too the it's too big the next too solid too big too girthy for me to try to attempt that? Um, you can certainly give it a try. Well, well we're gonna go for the old college try. All right, so give me another strength roll. All right, here we go. Ooh, right on. Let's see here. Okay, so you do manage to put this thing in distress. So you don't quite manage to like break its neck or collapse its esophagus completely, but it's definitely struggling to breathe now. So it's less like trying to attack things and more just like flailing to try and get you off at this point. (laughs) It's definitely not very coordinated with what it's attempting to do now. Uh, Which brings it back around to Fausta. Well, since she has the ballista bolt in hand, I think she's going to take another swing at this thing's head. Except this time, I was not so lucky, and I rolled a 13. So, I missed it by three. And that brings us to Tulin. Okay. So, have they got the creature pulled onto the deck yet? or Yes, it's it's on the deck of the ship. Okay. Um... Well, Tulin just drops the grappling hook. Not going to need that. All right. He runs up uh, with a rope and tosses it 
over the back of the thing, proceeds to uh, tie it off on his end to the to the nearest mast, yard arm, uh, port bumper, whatever he can find. Okay, so that would be a throw. Since you're not really using it as a weapon per se, this would be just a throwing roll. Uh, did you take throwing or no? Uh, no, I did not take a throwing roll. Okay. Uh, but I rolled a nine. My dex is a 12, so I made that by four. Drew, and even at the untrained default, that still makes it. So, <laughs> Sorry, that was three. I made it by three. Nice. So you toss the rope over and... Um, so the rope gets uh, kind of into a position where it's it's definitely hindering where the creature can go, uh, kind of pinning it down a little bit as you were intending there to do. And that brings us back to Wilhelm. Um, I think uh, Wilhelm, he's he as he's like cocking his crossbow and he's coming up the stairs, going "fuck, fuck, fuck, what the fuck," and just like. For pardon all the young adult listeners who have not heard the F word until this podcast. Um, but he's, he's freaking out. And then he gets up there with the crossbow and looks around and sees it on the deck and just does another Marv scream and just takes a shot. <laughs> oh, I mean, right. this gives me such anxiety because there are so many people on the deck. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hopefully it won't matter if it's not a critical miss. Um, <laughs> all right, let's uh, give it a missile hyphen crossbow. I guess that's an M dash technically in this. Let's do it. Six, eight, ten. My skill is 11. I did it. I made a roll this game. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> and with uh, with Tulin's between Chip being on top of it, cutting off its air, and Tulin's rope in place, there's no way this thing's going to be able to dodge. So the uh, crossbow <laughs> bolt goes shoop, slamming into the body of this creature. Oh, ho, 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 ho. got the six, baby! Woo! That's an All eight. Right. That's an eight damage. I okay. So when I fire and do the Marv scream, I'm actually going to yell. Uh, for Farallon, uh, as a little, little reference to, uh, what is it? The other guys, uh, the, uh, Will Farrell and Mark Wahlberg as cops with Will Farrell go America and hitting the throttle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and let's see here. Do, 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 do. Okay. So let's see. This is, would be an impaling basically. And impaling is times two. So basically, you're <laughs> inflicting 16 damage on this thing. To do which, uh, yeah, it's dead. Yeah. <laughs> the pacifist gets the one kill. <laughs> First blood. <laughs> I think this falls under, like, I don't think my pacifist thing should take effect yet, but we'll worry about that later. You, you tell us all about it, boss. So, um, you got the kill here, Wilhelm. So go ahead and describe for us in all its glory, how the death throes of this beast go when your bolt hits. Um, I'm guessing that because I see, um, it, is it safe to assume that Chip was still reeling back on it and having it like kind of arched up on yes. the deck? I think that somehow I just like, just as I fire, I'm just pointing in that direction because that's the point of my focus. And I think the bolt just boom right through the neck with tension on it. And just the amount of force that Chip is putting on that rope and, and the force of, like, that thing trying to fight back. And that, you know, crossbow bolts are thick boys. Um, and they do a lot of damage when they hit. So I think it goes through the neck, spine, tissue under tension, and just, like, chip flies back with the head. Or, like, the head, 
you know, pops off and like that thing just boom, like head one way, body just slaps against the deck. And I think, uh, I think, uh, uh, Wilhelm just like stops there for a second, hyperventilates for a second and then just throws up. (laughs) Glorious indeed. (laughs) Uh, Well, now I'm going to have to go change my clothes again. <laughs> oh. Okay. Uh everybody give me a perception roll right quick. Finally, I'm getting the good rolls. I make that one by 3. <laughs> I missed it by 3. I make it by 1. I also make it by 1. Okay, so the three of you hear some noises from up in the rigging. It draws your attention, and when you look up, you see uh, some little creatures. They kind of look like they're little gargoyle-like things. And while you guys were distracted with this bat creature, these little guys were up there, and they were uh, tearing some holes in your sails. Um, Not like big enough to completely disable the ship, but definitely enough to slow it down. And um, you see like this sort of like bluish glow in their eyes and they go taking off. They're kind of like chittering (laughs) as they go chittering off into the sky and in the uh, emerging from the clouds uh, passing by you guys in the direction that they're chittering off in is the Cobalt Phoenix, the ship of Pomponius Goldfeather. And uh, standing at the rail, you see uh, the human from his crew that you met uh, at the Dragon's Den Tavern there with a uh, identical blue glow around his hands, like calling these creatures back to him. What the fuck? What the fuck indeed? Well, we're definitely going to need an explicit tag on this one. (laughs) Those sons of bitches. What are those things? Nobody... Well, I great. I don't know. <laughs> well, let's see here. Um, do Tulin and Chip go ahead and give me a pair of IQ rolls, if you would. Got that one. Uh, rolled my IQ exactly. Okay, so it just so happens that the two of you, um, in various ways, have encountered some kind of knowledge of this. So basically, this guy is a runic summoner meaning he's kind of a collector of like demons and spirits. So he can conjure these things and, uh, and control them. So he's got like these little demonic, well, or in the case of the bat creature, rather big, uh, demonic servants that he can conjure up. And, um, yeah, that's what he was using to try and slow you guys down here. Okay. What's our distance between him and us? He's above us, correct? Yeah, they're kind of above you, and I would say they're maybe two and a half, three times farther out than uh, the bat creature was when you first spotted it. Okay. So they're out there floating. I am very much, as a player right now, fighting my innate urge to say, fire on that son of a bitch, because that is not (laughs) who Wilhelm is. Like, (laughs) damn it. So Wilhelm's just like, like, what, what, why are they attacking us? What the hell? I think he's going to go to the deck and go, you attract more bees with honey than with vinegar. (laughs) This is very unprofessional. And then throws up again. (laughs) I think Chip, Chip's going to freak out at this point. Like you said, he, he does recognize that creature. And he's going to turn to Tulin and yell, aim that ballast up, that ballista up at that, those, uh, that guy and give it your best shot. And I'm going to climb up the sail to see if we can't close gap and, and, and steal that, uh, that scorpion point from, from uh, Miss Fausta. Miss Fausta, may I borrow this? Only if you shoot him down. Damn it, Pomponius. Somebody f- fix those sails. 
All right, so I'm gonna grab it, throw it in my pack, um, take the take the rope off the bat's neck, uh, start swinging it again, and see if I can't climb right back up to the spot where I was on the top of the sail, up the mast, and see if we can't get a little bit closer. All right, Tulin, take him down. Right. Uh, this is still nighttime, correct? Yes. Tulin's going to grab one of the torches, quickly lash it to a ballista bolt, and send it towards the other ship. The invention of the tracer round. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 13, his gunnery is 12. Uh, so what were you aiming? Were you aiming like for the balloon or for the hull? Uh, I was aiming for the balloon. Okay, so with that, the the bolt goes out and it does strike, it kind of like grazes the hull rather than hitting the flight bladder and scrapes along. So uh, at this point, Malin is going to run up to Fausta and say, Captain, do we pursue or break away? And I think Fausta going to look down at the bat and look up at the sails and uh, shake her head at the ship and she goes we don't have time for this just let them go 